Welcome to the Organizer Chicks podcast. I am Amber Taggart, and I'm so glad that you chose to spend some time with us here today. I'm excited always when we get to answer some questions. That's really my favorite way to do a podcast is for it to be as interactive as possible. Thank you to everyone who bothers to send us their query every now and then. You can always reach out to us. You can send emails to us at info at theorganizerchicks.com. You can contact us through our website. And we love it, love it, love it when you will send in your questions, because then I can speak about something that I know that at least somebody out there cares about (laughs) and wants to hear about. And so I really appreciate it. A question that we have been getting with some consistency, and it's complicated, it's a complicated question, but it's how do you take organization and really live it in your life? Not how do I get organized necessarily, but how do I maintain that? And What kind of routines do I need to get into in order to stay organized and to avoid falling into disorganization time and time again? And I think this is such a great question. And to be really honest with you, this is a question that's a little bit difficult for me to answer. And here's why. Because it is so ingrained in who I am. This is the kind of thing that to some degree comes naturally to my personality type. I'm a firstborn child. I'm that kid who always kind of liked the rules and (laughs) wanted to do a good job on things and who even as a child had a tendency to just be a little more neat. Having to really do these moments where you kind of dig deep and you say, how or why am I (laughs) like I am for better or for worse, right? Sometimes that's difficult because I, I've had a lifetime now of experiences and of habit development that have ingrained so many protocols in my life. But I want to spend some time today doing a deep dive in answering this question. How do you maintain organization? What are the habits? What are those protocols that an organized person has in place that allows for maintenance of organization? And the first thing I think it's really important for me to say is that living an organized life is not about any one system or any particular set of rules necessarily. Now, there are a lot of awesome books that have been written and and television shows and methods that are out there. And if you have had success with those, I am clapping for it. I love it. I want to say that very often somebody calls or or we're working with a client and they're in tears and they're saying, I paid money and I took this course and I was told I have to do things this way or I read this book or I've been following this particular website or, or guru who has this particular system and I just fail over and over again and I just can't keep up with it. And I think it's so important to understand that you are not a failure because you couldn't work a system. The system just didn't work for you. I'm anti one size fits all approaches to organizing. I don't think anybody else should come in and tell you what has to happen first and what you have to do second and where you have to put particular things in your life. We need to respect the individuality of the person and of the family. We need to take into consideration your personality, your physicality, the demands on your time and your lifestyle, your family. It's really, really multifaceted. So if you're harboring any guilt about past attempts and past 
quote unquote failures. I'm doing my air quotes here that you can't see, (laughs) but trust me, my fingers are doing air quotes on the word failures because they're not your failures. It's failures of a system to take into consideration all of the different personality types. And to be honest, there's no one system that can do that. There cannot be a one size fits all approach to something as personal and as individualistic as getting and then staying organized. And again, living an organized life isn't about a system anyway. It's about having a set of a 100 small protocols. And it's about thinking about your things and your time differently. An organized person is always putting things in a position for their next use. And they're always thinking ahead toward time savings. I constantly am asking myself, what can I do now that I'm going to benefit from later? When my babies were younger, it looked like prepping everything I possibly could in the diaper bag as soon as I got home from an outing so that the next time I needed to rush out the door last minute, everything was as ready as it could possibly be. When I travel for work, that looks like unpacking my suitcases as soon as I get home from a trip and immediately doing the laundry or putting away those things that I had packed so that they're ready for their next use. And so getting into that kind of a mindset is going to be really, really crucial to maintaining long term. And what I know to be true is that whoever you are listening to this podcast right now, you are good at 22 things that I am not. If you've listened very long, you've heard me say this before. The world works and is functional and is beautiful because we all bring different strengths and weaknesses to planet Earth. And then we share those and we lean on each other and we say, will you lend me your strength in my area of weakness and vice versa? So I just bet there is something in your life that you already are great at. Maybe you are a health and fitness guru And you are so awesome at doing your workouts and you eat to fuel your body and that comes naturally to you. Whatever the thing is that you're naturally good at, I want you to take a minute and just really try to do a deep dive analysis on why you're good at that thing and how you have been able to incorporate a positive habit into your life, whatever that positive habit might be. Find what you're good at and ask yourself, How do I do it? How could I explain to somebody else the success that I've had in this area and how I have maintained this success? Not just how I got in shape to run an Ironman, but how do I continue to stay there and to stay active and healthier or whatever your skill and your talent is? Because here's what I know is true. Staying organized, just like staying in shape, is not about a way of doing. It's about a way of being So I just want to say that again, it's a way of being you become an organized person because you choose to behave like an organized person and then you choose to act like an organized person and that will cause you to start to think like an organized person. And it's kind of a chicken and the egg scenario, right? Did I have organized thoughts and then those turned into organized behaviors and then I stayed organized? Or did I not really have any organized thoughts, but I caused myself to do organized things and then eventually those became some internalized habits and thoughts that came naturally? I think it can go either way. I think you can be a person who 
leads by your thoughts and your actions follow. And I think you can be a person who leads by action and eventually your thoughts will catch up to that. So it doesn't matter. And again, this is where individuality and different personalities are going to come into play. But the good news is that we know that our brains are incredibly teachable as humans. We have amazing neuroplasticity and we can develop new habits. We can learn new ways and we can acquire new skills and new ways of being. So if you have to start by doing to start thinking, then great. If you know that about yourself, start there. And if you have to start by thinking, then start there, right? But I wanted to just come and share some of the things that happen in my life with some consistency, because I I am an organized person. So I wanted to come and share some of the things that my husband and I, and really our family do every evening. And so this may become a multi-part podcast because I I just want to be able to focus in and not ramble on for too long in any one given podcast. But I just have been really trying to think about what are my own thought patterns? What are my own behaviors that help me and our family to, to be organized and to stay organized? Now, let me tell you this. My husband and I have four kids. They are 10 eight, five, and three years old. So please believe that every day there's toys, there's playing, there are books, there are the couch pillows that inevitably get thrown on the living room floor every day. (laughs) It happens every day. We live in our house very much. This is not a place where you can't come and flop on our, our couch and be comfortable. You absolutely can. And we use our space. We're using it every single day. But we have some built-in protocols and some habits that we do as a family. And so I just wanted to walk you through eight of those that I felt like were important in our evening and in my evening personally as I kind of prep and again just sharing those things that I do. Not saying this is the list for everybody. Not saying we're doing everything perfect and right. Just trying to answer that question, you know, how do you maintain organization? And again, just really trying to dig deep into my own psyche and habits to say, what is going right? And how are we staying on top of things in a really busy world? Because life is so busy. I mean, am I right? We're, we're doing all the things. We're running in all the directions and we're schooling and maybe we're even, you know, virtual schooling right now. We're working. Maybe we're even working from home right now. We're all busy. We have a lot going on. But here are eight things that we do that happen every evening just to give you kind of a checklist. And I'll, I'll just talk you through what we're doing and maybe a little bit about why we're doing it and and why it's helpful. So the first thing starts um, immediately after dinner. We always try to make a point to sit down and eat dinner together in the evenings. And our kids know that as soon as they're done, it's their individual responsibility to take their plate and their fork or spoon, napkin, whatever they might have had, and take that to the sink. So everyone clears their own space at the table, even the three-year-old. This has always been the rule. It's not even something that we taught the younger kids. It's just something that they saw modeled by their older siblings. And so from as early as they could kind of toddle around and carry their own little plate, we had them doing that and we allowed them to do that. And guess what? Sometimes they made giant messes. (laughs) Sometimes they spilled that plate halfway to the sink and there ended up being more work to do for us. But it was worth it because we knew that we were teaching that habit. And we knew that 
there's a possibility that if you're asking a three-year-old to <laughs> to carry their plate of half-eaten, you know, beef stroganoff to the sink, there may be a cleanup on aisle four to deal with. Again, we just went into that knowing that that was okay, that that was work we were willing to do now because we were going to have a payoff in the future. And I will say now that our youngest is three, we're kind of there. We're kind of at that payoff point and it's never too early and it's also never too late to start to work on some new habits and some new behaviors. But that's one of those little things. It's not a big deal when there are six people at a table for everyone who stands up and is going to walk past the sink anyway to just take some onus and responsibility for their plate. My husband is the cook in our family and so it only feels fair that if he did all the cooking and he created this meal for us, kind of the least we can do is a little bit of cleanup, right? That's our division of labor anyway in our household. Again, you may be doing something different and that's perfectly fine. But all of our kids individually, they take their own plates, napkins, cups, whatever to the sink. And then we take turns. We rotate through whose turn it is for dining room cleanup. And we keep it pretty simple. They're supposed to wipe down the table, wipe down the chairs, and then sweep the floor. And this is something that happens after every meal. We usually eat three meals a day in that dining room. And so our kids have had literally hundreds of opportunities to practice this by now. And they're pretty good at it. And now that they're pretty good at it, they're pretty quick at it. And it's just become a non-issue over time. That's just how life is. It's one of those things that we just do. It's a ritual that's ingrained in our day. And it's just a regular protocol. That's just one of those things that we check off the list, just like we would brush our teeth in the evenings. It's just one of those things that we do. And I think that helps us to stay tidy, to stay organized. And it's also something that I feel like helps our kids to understand that family is a team and everyone needs to contribute and to pitch in to to some small degree, to the degree that you can. So another thing that we do and that I do every evening is when I take off whatever I've been wearing, I immediately put it away. We try really hard to not do a bunch of kick off your shoes and just throw them on the floor. Now, does that happen sometimes? For sure it does. But the thing is, as soon as you stand up and you're leaving the couch now and you're heading back to the bedroom, just grab the shoes and take them with you, right? So this comes back to kind of always keeping in mind this concept of the two minute rule. If something takes two minutes or less to do, you do it now because, and I've said this many times before, but I think it's so crucial and worth repeating we tend to think of clutter holistically. We look at a cluttered space and we say, oh my goodness, look at this clutter as if it was just one living, breathing organism as just one thing, bunch of clutter. But it's so crucial to recognize that what clutter is, is the result of deferred decisions and delayed actions. There are things we didn't make a decision on. We didn't make up our minds whether or not we're going to chaperone that field trip. So now we're still hanging on to that piece of paper that we have to eventually sign and send back to the school. Or we just didn't take action on it. We kicked our shoes off. And then when we stood up and walked back to the bedroom, instead of just taking the shoes with us, we left them behind on the floor. That's what clutter is. It's tons and tons of little things that weren't done and that weren't carried through on. So once we recognize that, and once we accept that that is indeed true, that's where you have to start. You have to be able to look at what I'm saying and see that it is in fact true. The next time you see a cluttered space, I encourage you, stand at the corner, stand at the edge of that room, of that space, and look at it, and force yourself to see the individual items that are represented in that space. 
help yourself to understand this isn't one thing. The clutter isn't one thing in and of itself. It's a bunch of little individual things that I or he or she or we didn't actually accomplish. And this is the end result of that. So coming back to, uh, you know, just kind of that little nighttime ritual, when things are taken off, they're immediately dealt with. And sometimes I have people who say like, oh, I don't know, I feel like there are items that I took it off, I wore it for a little while, maybe it's not totally clean, maybe it's not totally dirty. And this is a place where I would stop and say, let's ask ourselves a really tough question. Are we actually deferring a decision right now? Are you really just kind of not wanting to accept the fact that you really do need to wash that? (laughs) If it's not clean enough to hang up, (laughs) then maybe it just needs to go into the laundry, right? Is that a deferred decision? Maybe buried deeply in your subconscious, (laughs) not even an an overt delay tactic, but is that on some level a, a delay tactic? And I'll tell you my rule of thumb because that's what I'm doing here is I'm just trying to pick my own brain and, and share my own thoughts with you. But what I do is let's say I took a shower in the evening and then I wore something around the house for a couple of hours. If I take it off at night and I'm like, okay, this probably isn't too dirty. I, you know, just wore it around the house or whatever. I hang it up and I hang it up for exactly one night only and just let it air out. When the morning comes, if I don't feel like it's clean enough, it doesn't just continue to hang there. And it sure never just gets thrown over the back of a chair or a treadmill. Because of course, what happens is that those things pile up, right? And then if we had a half dirty laundry that we just kind of like laid over the back of a chair and let stew for a couple days, guess what? Now it's fully dirty, right? (laughs) No, No questions asked. And it's pretty easy to see that that actually ended up creating more work in the long run, right? Like it, it really was a delay tactic that maybe we didn't even recognize or that we accidentally created that situation. So if it's not clean enough after, you know, one night of hanging up to go back in your drawer or to hang back in your closet, then immediately it just needs to go and go be washed. So that's my kind of personal rule of thumb. You know, that's my little protocol. And that's really the crux of what I want you to understand is this word protocols. It's having made up your mind ahead of time so that when those decisions come, you don't have to catch yourself in limbo. And of course, there are going to be life decisions that come at us all the time that we need a hot minute to think about. That's okay. But in those daily things that come our way, if I took this off and I wasn't super sure how clean it was, if you just make up your mind and say, okay, I have a protocol. I'm going to let that hang up and air out overnight. And in the morning, if it's not clean enough for me to put back away with its friends in the dresser or on the closet rod, then it goes straight to the laundry immediately. It doesn't hang there for days, right? Because we don't want to end up with like, uh oh, I just turned my entire <laughs> my entire bedroom or my entire treadmill into a secondary closet. But we want to have that protocol that says we let it hang for one night and then boom, we take care of it first thing in the morning and we put it where it goes that takes two minutes or less right so that's one of those things when I take my shoes off I put them right back in my closet at night when I take my hair tie out I put my hair tie where it goes you know so that I I know where it is tomorrow that's just having a mentality of thinking toward future use that I think serves well another thing in this same vein is going to be prepping clothes for tomorrow and that actually marries really well with the next thing on my list which is calendar review that is a part of every single night of my life After I put kids to bed, I come into my room and I start to get myself ready for the night and, you know, washing off makeup or whatever it is that I'm going to do. And always part of that is to look over my calendar and to really especially focus on the morning. 
What does the morning require of me? I really try to get a workout in in the morning where I can because I have learned if I don't start to get moving early in the day, it's so easy for me to miss that. If that window of time closes, it may not open up on its own later in the afternoon. And certainly, I really don't love working out in the evenings. For me and for my circadian rhythm, for my energy levels, I know that's something I want to try to do early in the morning. But you know what? Sometimes there's a work meeting or there's a Zoom call where I have to look present or something like that. So sometimes I have to prep my work clothes. But when I don't, I always want to go ahead and lay out my workout outfit. And I mean, down everything, the sports bra, undies, the socks, everything. I want to have it all completely prepped and ready because I'm thinking toward future ease of use. If I have already made the decisions, if I've gone so far as to lay everything out right there, it's that much easier just to put it on my body. And once you're dressed for the work that you want to go do, It's that much easier to get in a mind space of doing it, which then means that it's that much easier to make your body actually go do the thing that you want and you need to do. So you can see how one little success begats the next success, which begats the next success. And the ball is rolling. And if we don't watch it, the ball can roll in the other direction too, right? Like we can create this momentum. And it can be a momentum that has us crawl back inside an unmade bed and eat bonbons all day. But we can also choose to create a momentum that says, look, I'm prepped and ready. I'm going to get in my workout clothes and I have created this success for myself. And now all I have to do is just follow through on this path because I've already laid the stepping stones for this win. So prepping your clothes and then again, that calendar review is so, so important. And I I even try to do this with my kids. You know, let's look at tomorrow. Let's look at the weather. What's the forecast going to be like? Do you have PE tomorrow? What kind of shoes do you need? And help them from an early age to start to really respect and understand the value of time and how to become a person who thinks toward the future and toward ease of use of items in the future. As I'm doing calendar review, this is always a time where I go over my list of five. And if you haven't heard me talk about list of five before, I'm so glad you're here. Here's the deal. This world is filled with things we need to do. I bet if I just said, hey, pause this podcast and go get a piece of paper and write down all the things that you need to do in your life, I bet there's nobody listening who couldn't write a list at least 30 items long. I mean, you probably need to do some shopping for some gifts and you probably need to make a return to the store and there may be a project at the house that you need to work on and there's surely some kind of school or work project that you need to work on and there's just so many things in life that want our attention and that we legitimately need to do. But here's the thing. If we look at a 30 plus item list every single day, That is so overwhelming. And one of the keys to staying motivated to stay organized is this feeling that the task is winnable, that it's achievable. No matter what age you are, no matter how high your IQ, we as humans get bogged down when we start to feel like there is so much and it's too much for me to do. And we want to get in the bed and eat the bonbons all day. So I highly encourage a list of five. And these are the top five things that you need to do that day. I encourage everybody to make a list of five in the evening 
for the day that is coming ahead. And your list may change from day to day. You may have a different priority because, oh, tomorrow is trash day. So I, I'm going to have to get the, the trash bins out to the curb in the morning. Maybe that makes your list of five on a Wednesday, but it wouldn't have made your list on Tuesday. It wasn't time yet. So allow yourself all the flexibility in the world. And the thing about the list of five is that it is constantly changing throughout the day. Every time you accomplish something, scratch it off of your list. I'm a huge fan of going old school and actually having like a pen and a piece of paper because there is something so satisfying about taking your hand and grabbing that pen and saying check mark or scratch out that item that I had to do on my list. And biology agrees that this is a very nice thing to do. We actually get a little bit of an endorphin release when we have an accomplishment. And so the more kind of fanfare we can add to the completion of a task, the bigger kick we're going to get, the more our brain is going to say, hey, reward center lighting up, we're going to give you some feel good (laughs) endorphins here. And guess what, that will spur you on to the completion of the next task and the next. So again, success begets success. So this list of five, we keep it running throughout the day. As soon as we mark something off, we add something else from our giant to do list to that list. And guess what I do? And I highly encourage you to do this too. If and when, because this is life, right? Something crops up, a fire. Oh, I got to put that fire out. This wasn't on my list. I didn't see this coming today. I forgot I had to do this or somebody didn't even tell me they needed this thing until the last minute. When you have a success, when you get something done, Go write that on your list and then mark it off, right? Give yourself that gold star, get that win for yourself, mark it off of your list. Even if it wasn't there ahead of time, you will temporarily have a list of six and then you will mark it off. And that is a wonderful practice to get into. You want to give yourself those rewards and those little mental high fives throughout the day. We got to keep our energy up, right? We got to feel encouraged and enthused throughout the day. So I highly suggest a list of five, keep it running through the day. And then here is the important thing that I do every evening. I look over my list, not to be cruel to myself, not to judge myself, right? Not to say what a failure I am. Maybe I didn't accomplish a single thing on that list today, but here's what I do. I just spend a minute and I analyze it. What went well today? What of these things on this list did I do? What did I do well? How and why did I accomplish that? Great filing that away for future use. What did I not accomplish? Why didn't that happen? Did I have poor planning or poor time management or or were there just things that came up because that's life and it just didn't happen? Okay, filing that away for future use. Then I make a new list of five. There's a fresh day tomorrow and a fresh sheet of paper and whatever happened today is over. If it was a great day, high five and move on. If it was not a great day, high five and move on. Crumple up that list of five and throw it away. Today is over. I'm cleansing the palate. I'm going to get some rest. And tomorrow is a new day with a new list of challenges and opportunities and a new list of five right in front of me. So that is my fifth of these eight items I'm going to share with you. Another thing that we always do in the evenings is to have our kids pick up their own rooms. And again, this is the kind of thing that they have been training for their whole lives. And, you know, it's a whole nother podcast to talk about everything that has gone into that. Really quickly, though, we make sure that our kids don't have so much stuff that they're not 
that they're overwhelmed. We really take into consideration both their age and their capacity. Again, even as adults, we can get so overwhelmed with how much there is to do that we become stagnant and unable to move forward. You can bet that our children feel the exact same way. They just don't have the vocabulary to express being overwhelmed as well as you or I do. And so sometimes we see tantrums and sometimes we see terrible attitudes. Sometimes that comes down to a child feeling that it's not winnable. So we make sure our kids don't have too much in their room at any given time. We make sure that they understand clearly where home is. And then we regularly give them the opportunity at least once every day, and it's usually in the evening, there is a protocol there. And it says, it's time to clean up your room. It's a ritual that we've just built into our day. And it just tucks right in there. We had dinner, and then we have baths, and then we have this bedroom cleanup time. And then we have a book and a song, and it's bedtime. So look at your own schedule and find places where you already have a solid ritual, where you can kind of plug in some of these tidy up times. And this is this is solid advice, whether you're working with children or yourself, there is already some kind of routine in your evening, I'm willing to bet. And it's easier to find something that already exists and just add one more car to that train. That's the simplest way to kind of ingratiate a new habit into your life is to attach it to other habits that are already in existence. So that's one thing we do every single night. Again, it's never a surprise. Sometimes our kids don't want to do it. Sometimes they're overly tired and they whine about it. It's not always some beautiful, harmonious situation, but it's a non-negotiable. And it's one of those things that this is your responsibility. You have the blessing of having all these fun toys and these cars to play with and you know, whatever this is. So let's turn on some music. Let's dance around and make this fun. I can't wait for you to show me your room, make it a big deal, high five for them, clap them, brag on the things that they did great. That's something that we do every single night that works well for us. Another quick thing is a living room pickup. Again, every single evening in my living room, you're going to see some books scattered around. You're going to see those darn couch pillows thrown on the floor again. Somebody will have kicked their shoes off and not put them where they belong yet. So this is just, again, one of those quick ritualistic things that we are just going to do every night. And then another thing that we do every night is that the sink is going to be empty usually when we're going to bed. Sometimes it's not if we if there was a holiday and we have people over until late and we're just all worn out. That may not happen. But generally speaking, we're cleaning as we go. And as we cook, we're putting things back where they belong. So there's not a big, you know, mess when it's all said and done. And as we're cleaning our plates after our meals, we're just going ahead and loading the dishwasher right then. You're already standing there. You're already at the sink. Go ahead and just put it where it goes once the food is off your plate. So these are some of the things. These are some of the protocols that we are doing that work in our lives. And again, I hope that you understand that this has not been a podcast where I say, Amber's life is perfect. And let me tell you all the reasons why, because I promise you, (laughs) it is not. And there are plenty of things that I do wrong and and that we as a family don't get perfect on any given day. But generally speaking, we are organized and we are tidy and if you stopped by our house on on any given day, you're going to find a house that, yes, is lived in and and loved on and where there's kids that are (laughs) sometimes yelling and best of friends and worst of enemies. But generally speaking, it's a tidy place and it's because of these protocols. And again, it's not about there being one magical system to follow. It's about working toward becoming the kind of person who thinks ahead to the future use of items and the future use of time. 
That wraps up this episode of the Organizer Chicks podcast. Make sure to subscribe here and stay up to date with us on social media. We're at facebook.com slash the organizer chicks. And on Instagram, we're at the underscore organizer underscore chicks. Also make sure to check out the for more information on who we are and what we do. If you found our podcast interesting or helpful today, please give us a review on iTunes as it makes our show more visible to others. And a big thanks to Sweet 25 for letting us use their song, Thinking About You. Check them out on Spotify and iTunes as well. Thanks again for listening and be sure to catch our next episode as we work to help you turn your before into an after.